Welcome back to Be Mindfully You with Brenna Gatimo, uh, your wonderful host today. As always, um, it's just me this time, and boy, did we have a fantastic time recording with my besties, Sabrina and Rita, and we just had such a powerful conversation around parenting and what that looks like for us, and I had these um, questions listed out, and it was just phenomenal, you guys, so if you haven't caught that you should definitely go back and catch that episode. And today we're going to dive in um, a little bit about parenting and some stuff that I've been learning and implementing as well. Um, and just kind of catching up as well too, and maybe moving past this um, parenting topic, which I feel like could go on and on forever and ever, but um, you know how it is. And it is like eight o'clock at night and I'm sitting in this new little area, set up this awesome little like desk place for me and um, removed some of the items that we have, like, you know, sitting around the house and that we could be utilizing and putting it in here rather than keeping up space in a corner in our room of, you know, those kinds of things. I don't know if anybody has those, but I feel like we have like two places and it's going to be like one that's got a flat surface above our washer and dryer where it just collects stuff. The other one's in our room that's like holds all my books, but then it's like gets piled up on as well too. And then the third one is the corners, like any place that we just don't really know where to stick an item, like my ring light or our printer or, you know, something that we just like shove it in a corner. We just make do with what it is. And so it just takes up all that space. It's, it's great. You know, I think that's something that happens with, with being an adult. Anyways, so in that podcast, we were talking about the four different types of parenting, authoritative, authoritarian, permissive, neglectful. And we kind of talked about how like each, like which one is which and where, you know, where things go. But then in this article that I found that was also talking about, um, the effects of like what happens with these kinds of things. So, um, I talked about the, uh, like statistics of parenting and, you know, like 46% of parents use authoritative parenting style, 26 authoritarian, 18% permissive and 10% neglectful parenting style. Um, Oh, that's interesting. They even even like talked about European American and parents are about 2% more likely to have an authoritative style while Asian American parents are 2% more likely to have authoritarian style. See, these things to me is like super interesting when you like break down everything into like a cultural aspect. Like even my husband coming from a completely different culture, like he is probably more of a, a an authoritarian, authoritative, like he's probably more responsive. See, now I got to think about this, but um, they're definitely like a patriarchal society where like the women are much more catering to the men, but the men are the breadwinners. And, um, you know, so it, it kind of reminds me of like the Latin cultures. Uh, my mom is Hispanic and grew up in that culture where like the women were just very catering to their men and like were serving them and, you know, um, cooking dinners and cleaning up and taking care of the household. And, um, 
the men were the ones that would go out and go to the work, you know, workforce and do and do their thing. But I think the interesting part is in Kenya, um, where my husband's from, is that the women also work as well too. Um, but they also have help in the house. Um, they the they have house help and they pay for that. Um, if you're able to, if not, then then it's like the man and the woman have to figure out how to take care of all the all of those things. Um, and my in-laws have this wonderful, um, the kids, like their own history is where a part of their life, they did not have the finances to be able to pay for house help. So they had to do everything all on their own and how those things look differently when you're having to do that and then being able to afford to have that. Um, but the struggle, you know, there's always that struggle and that hustle. So I digress. Um, Authoritative parents, so just to recap, have high expectations for achievement and maturity, but they are also warm and responsive. So they set rules and enforce boundaries by having open discussions, providing guidance and using reasoning. And then parents, um, it says these parents provide their kids with reasoning and explanation for their actions. Explanations allow children to have a sense of awareness and teach kids about values, morals, and goals. And we kind of talked about about that, like, um, that responsiveness of like, I'm going to give you the understanding. So like when you have teenagers and they're wanting to do something, then like, how do you talk to them about money where they're not directly involved with the money, like conversations within the family, but they're aware that there is such a thing as a budget and kind of teaching them that budgeting thing you know, what's a budget, you know, how do you budget for something? How can you, um, raise money for yourself in order to obtain what it is that you want to do? You know, all, all of those good things, but they state for authoritative parenting that their disciplinary methods are confrontive, reasoned, negotiable, outcome oriented, and concerned with regulating behaviors as opposed to coercive. And, um, affectionate, supportive. They respect their children's autonomy, provide them with a lot of freedom and encourage independence. They also allow bi-directional communication. This style of parenting is also known as the democratic parenting style. Children of authoritative parents are cherished based on um, I think it's Bomberin's research on parenting styles. Children of authoritative parents tend to appear happy and content, are more independent, are more active, achieve higher academic performance, develop good esteem, self-esteem, interact with peers using competent social skills, have better mental health, less depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, delinquency, alcohol, and drug use, exhibit less violent tendencies, are securely attached, which I feel like is a huge huge thing where if you're not an authoritative parent, you know, because the attachment stuff comes from that high responsive, um, ness that the parents show the children. So as a baby, like you are highly responsive to their need. They whine, cry, whimper, um, you know, any of those little noises they teach you as to what it is that they want, you know, food, tiredness, you know, all, all of those things. And, um, when you're not responsive, it really impacts that, um, child's ability to form healthy and positive attachments later in life. Um, so it's super 
super interesting um, reading some of that. Then they go into authoritarian parenting, which is that high demand, low response. So the parental control and low levels of parental responsiveness are the two characteristics of the authoritarian style. So this type of parenting and authoritative parenting styles have similar names. They have several important differences in parenting belief, demand, and approach. So while both parenting style, parental styles demand high standards, authoritarian parents demand blind obedience using reasons such as because I said so. Um, so we kind of talked about that stern discipline, harsh punishment, um, such as corporal punishment as a way to obtain behavioral control. Their disciplinary methods are coercive, um, arbitrary, peremptory, domineering, and concerned with marking status distinction. Now, I will state this, that sometimes um, you'll find like those individuals have like this authoritarian style and it's they have they hold such a position in the community that you'll find that this happens, that they have this high demand um, and they expect you to behave and act in a certain way. And if they don't, it brings shame amongst and onto you because of that. And so it's very fascinating watching um how that goes. I've, I've, I've heard of people experiencing such a thing that their parents are teachers or, or at the school that they teach or are well known in the community. They are on city council. They are the chief of police. They are the DA's, um, you know, kid or whatever it is. And, um, their parents can have that yet. There's sometimes I feel like there could be this play between authoritarian and authoritative. So like authoritarian, they could have like those high demands, blind obedience, you're going to be severely punished. But then at the same time, there's these key moments where that, that authoritative piece comes in, where the response, like just not even authoritative, but just the responsiveness where they could be responsive to their, to their kids. But you know, that's here, no there. Anyways, um, parents are unresponsive. So authoritarian parents are unresponsive to their child's needs and are generally not nurturing. They usually justify using mean treatment to toughen up their kids. So children whose parents have an authoritarian parenting style tend to have an unhappy disposition, be less independent, appear insecure, possess low self-esteem, exhibit more behavior problems or conduct issues, more temper tantrums, perform worse academically, have poor social competence, be more prone to internalizing behavior and mental issues, be more likely to have drug use problems, have worse coping skills. Now, I like, I want to take a pause real quick. If you are feeling like you are identifying in one of these categories of like, I'm more authoritarian than I thought I was, or I'm more authoritative, y'all, this stuff can change. Like you can change those things and, and mend those, those things with your kids and work on that stuff. But then also the other thing that kicks into my mind is your kids have their own personalities. So I'm more authoritative. My husband is more authoritative. Um, we have one of our kids who has really struggled, um, behaviorally. And he's always been that kid where he's like the late, late spring baby, almost summer baby. And so you could push him into one grade or keep him back and have him be the oldest student in the, in, in, in his grade. And his personality 
is if he's with the younger kids, he regresses and is more immature. But if he's with the older kids, like the kids that, you know, you push them up, then he's more mature. If he's in a classroom where he sees a bunch of behaviors, then he starts displaying those behaviors. Um, if it's because the adult isn't um, taking care of the those said behaviors that are happening that he's seeing. So then he's like, like mirroring it. Um, and then it's like, he makes this decision in his brain that it's okay to behave that way because so-and-so is behaving that way. Um, and it's very fascinating to watch, but to me, I'm like, I don't think that's a direct reflection of anything that we've done. And I guess that's my point is, is like, sometimes it's just the kids and the outside circumstances that kind of influence and then they make those things. So being a responsive parent, we have conversations about why is that behavior okay? Like, why do you think you do that? Like, why, why is that okay? And, and you talk with them about how, you know, I, there's a better way to handle that than this. So, um, I always tell people like, take what you can from the information, but don't die on the hill of it's the end all be all. This is what it is, because that's not the case. You could like we talked in that group podcast, you could take little pieces and, and be little pieces. And that's just that's just it. It's it's little pieces from here and there. Um, and like we've always stated, there is no parent book that is handed off to every person on the day that their first child is born and is told, this is what you need to do. <laughs> um, and there, there's no book for those people who have um, blended families and their stepkids or half siblings or all this stuff. There is no guidebook, none whatsoever. So some of this is just working, working with what you got and working with what you can do and always being willing to self-reflect and make the changes that you, you would like to make. So permissive parenting or indulgent. So low demand, high response. Um, permissive parents set very few rules and boundaries and they are reluctant to enforce rules. These indulgent parents are warm and indulgent, but they do not like to say no or disappoint their children. Children of permissive parents tend to have the worst outcomes, cannot follow rules, have worse self-esteem, possess egocentric tendencies, encounter more problems in relationships and social interactions. I was like, why is that wording is so harsh? Children of permissive parents tend to have the worst outcomes. Like, do we have to state it that way? Um, I do like that thing of like disappoint that word like caught on because there's been a recent thing where, you know, you disappointment is a part of life. Disappointment is something that we all face. And if we do not teach our kids how to thrive and move forward through disappointment and manage that as children, what are they like as adults? I like, I'm just going to pause and just like think about that for a second. Because that's, that's huge, you guys. I, I like the first thing that comes to my mind is entitlement. Like they just expect everything to be given to them and never told no. And in adults, like as adults, we are told no constantly. You want to be an entrepreneur? You better be prepared to be told no 
a thousand times. You better be prepared for your numbers not to be there. You better be prepared for somebody not like agreeing with you that leads to disappointment. And if they are not aware of how to manage what disappointment feels like in their body and how this, I mean, dear Lord, like it, it could just Man, I could go off on a soapbox on that, but it's just disappointment is a part of your life and we have to teach our kids how to manage that when disappointment happens and we have to be the ones to, to tell them no, because we can't give them everything. I mean, if all of us were multimillionaires and we could provide every single thing for them, okay, but at the same point, like there still needs to be boundaries. Eh, anyways, I digress. So neglectful parenting, which is AKA uninvolved, low demanding lists, low responsiveness. Neglectful parents do not set firm boundaries or high standards. They are diff- are indifferent to their children's needs and uninvolved in their lives. Ooh, here we go. These uninvolved parents may have mental issues themselves, such as depression, physical abuse, or child neglect when they were kids. Children of neglectful parents are more impulsive, cannot self-regulate emotion, encounter more delinquent behavior and addiction problems, have more mental issues, IG suicidal behavior in adolescence. So, um, I, yeah, I kind of feel like the uninvolved or the neglectful parenting kind of speaks for itself. Um, there's not a whole lot of there, but then I think that, um, I think I would like to do more research on is like how these parents end up reacting. I know that, um, neglectful parenting, like they have low demand, low responsiveness. So they're not really involved with their kids' decisions and what's going on. Um, I know kids can be very, very angry. Um, they also probably struggle with attachment issues as well, which I'm surprised that's not listed on here because of the fact that they're uninvolved and no response. So, uh, where's the attachment piece to this? Like, Oh man. And then because they, um, have their own trauma, you know, the parent having their own trauma, it, it, triggers. There's things that your kids do that will absolutely trigger you. There's things that my kids do that trigger me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that that was a trigger. And I'll, um, you know, I'll talk about this from a, from a healthy standpoint of like, here I am going through breast cancer treatment and I'm like totally fine. And I have a bunch of fifth grade, fifth grade peeps in my room and we're doing a group and this one kid grabs balls, these little balls and like puts them up and he's like, ew, being inappropriate, like boobies, blah, blah, blah. And, um, it hit me and I had to like take a step back and just kind of look at them. And it was like, Ooh, um, <laughs> I don't, I, 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 I didn't like that, but, and everybody stops and looks at me and I said, your joke, however funny, it may be, is not funny to me. And we had that big conversation about why that would be triggering to somebody who has cancer that has formed in that area of their body. And you're cracking jokes about having boobies and woo, 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 you know, and we just, as a group, you know, it was 11 kids and myself just kind of talked about 
you know, the seriousness of that. And, and then it led into how sometimes our jokes may be funny to us, but they're not funny to other people. So when we recognize that we've hurt somebody, however unintentional, we should always, you know, recognize their feelings and validate their feelings for that. And, you know, this is, this is a group of kids where, a lot of unresponsive or permissive parenting. And then if they got in trouble at school, then it was the authoritarian kind of thing where they're being harshly punished. Um, and they themselves have to go home and deal with the stuff like at home because of that, you know, whether it was the mental health or the trauma, their own, their own parents' trauma because of it. And it's, it's, it's really hard. Like, just knowing that that's the group of individuals that you, you know, you, you work with at that point. And I'm not saying that all individuals that I work with are, you know, in that realm of things, but I'm just saying like, if there's one thing that I like feel very passionate about, it's, it's about parenting when you bring another life into, into the balance and figuring out how to be the best parent, which equals being the best version of you, which means that you need to work on your trauma and work on yourself and, um, come face to face with those disappointments, come face to face with the shame that you feel, come face to face with the guilt, you know, and understand why am I feeling guilty where, you know, all these things and so it's just very, that self, that self work is very important. Now, the stuff I've been learning and implementing has been around, um, that, that, uh, conscious discipline workshop that I went to at the end of June with four of my other wonderful colleagues. And I cannot tell you how, like, this is every counselor's like gung ho kind of a thing. Um, but it comes from a very simple standpoint of it's adult first, child second. So adult first, emotional state, adult first, executive state, adult first, safe survival state. And, you know, where are you at? How are you reacting? What is your reaction? How is this playing into whatever it is that you've, you've got going on with the kids? You know, how is your tone doing, you know, setting off somebody else? And if we could even just do adult to adult, if it's adult first, um, it's everything has to do with you yourself, how you're reacting, how you're behaving, how things feel inside your body. And so if they, uh, conscious discipline talks about um, the three brain states. Um, and they talk about the um, executive being the frontal part of your brain where all your learning and logic and reasoning um, and, you know, happy, healthy, like place of the brain, right? You, like all the things that are positive, that's where that's that's where it's at. You want to be functioning in your executive state in order to be able to be doing all the things that you want to do. Then you have the midbrain, and that's where your emotional state is. And um, people are verbal, but they're like lashing out. So I always tell um, people, you know, when the kid looks at you and it's like, I hate you. And I'm like, uh, 
it's the, okay, you're in your emotional state. And then the survival state is safety. That's in the back bottom part of your brain where you are in fight, flight, or freeze. You know, people are not verbal when they're like this. They are not looking at you, making eye contact. They are completely shut down, shut off, and you have to pull them back up. So when you approach somebody and you're in your emotional state, they may start off an executive, but they're going to mirror wherever you're at. And with kids, they will immediately mirror you and then go down to their survival state, like instantaneous, um, which is insane. So if you come racing in to approach your kid because you are pissed off about this, that, or the other, the second they see the look on your face and your body language, they will start mirroring where you're at. The second you open your mouth and you start going off at them, they go right into their survival state. And it takes time to get them out of that and time to go back up. So if we as adults can stay in our executive state and regulate our emotions and teach kids how to regulate their emotions and so on and so forth, imagine the impact we could have, you know, years and years and years from now. It'd be pretty pretty stinking powerful. I got little turkeys at the door. (laughs) I can hear them jiggling the handle. Um, I'm in a different room and it's fabulous because this door locks. However, my bedroom does not lock. I mean, it locks, but then the kids just push on the door and it just pops right back open. So, um, yeah. And I just, I've just been really loving it. And then it just goes further into skills. (laughs) I can hear him in the background, but it goes further into there's, I believe off the top of my head, six skills in conscious discipline. And with each skill there has, there comes a power that's attached with it. And, um, they, they go in depth of like assertive language and they talk about consequences and they talk about, um, see my brain is losing it. Um, assertiveness, consequences, composure being another one. That's a big one that talks about like how you're approaching somebody else and what that looks like. Um, like if, are you composed or are you, you know, emotional and are you sure this is the right appropriate time? So things like that. So they, they go off on all these skills and like learning what these six different skills are and like what the powers that go with them of like, if you've got composure and then you've got the power of this and then how you, how do you use the, utilize the two of them? So it's, it's really freaking cool how they're able to do that. Well, hi James. Hi. Get out of here, Goofy. So anyways, (laughs) they opened the door and they got in and this is the result. So hold up just a second. So anyways, okay, I'm back. (laughs) Had to kick kick him out of the house, but I, uh, not the house, my bad. Oh my gosh. I had to kick him out of the room and then lock it back up again. Um, So Anywho, I like, I'm really enjoying the stuff that I'm learning and I'm really enjoying the things that I'm utilizing at home and I continue to teach myself. So like they talk about tattling cause that's at it. Like my kids are at an age where 
Tattling is a very prominent thing. They are constantly tattling about something. And um, there's like three areas of tattling. And I wish I would have written all this stuff up um, or to have it right in front of me because it's um, would have been much easier than trying to pull it from my memory. But there's um, one area about... Um, like to be helpful. There's an area to talk about how it's being hurtful. Um, there's an area that talks about tattling. That's like a safety thing. Um, but basically like the whole thing in conscious discipline is, is that behavior is a, a message of an unmet need. And so that's what tattling is like tattling is their behavior and it's an unmet need, whether it's for revenge, it's for safety, um, or it's, um, it's like an unmet need. And I, this, it's right there on the tip of my tongue, but that's two of them is there's an area of revenge tattling where they're telling they're like your, your kid is coming in to tell them so-and-so hit so-and-so, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, are you okay? Thank you. You know, or okay. Are you telling me this to be helpful or hurtful? And the helpful is the helpful piece of it is, is like you're telling on this person because it's a safety concern, because it's unsafe what they're doing. That's being helpful. The other side of it is, is the hurtful part of it. And you're telling on them because you don't like you want them to get into trouble. So what does this look like? And um, that piece to me was huge because I had come home and like, brought it back with one of my kids because that's the behavior that they struggle with is the tattling and it's mostly in the revenge category and as you're learning these things and you apply it to your kids you'll start seeing because who knows your kids best you you do the parent does the parent knows their kids um hands down the best and so you figure out which one is which and then you have little key phrases that conscious discipline will teach you about of how to use that to get them and then you have those conversations as a responsive parent to have those conversations to teach them like you are telling me okay that's a safety current concern i will take care of that right away or you know what is it that you're wanting oh you were hoping for blah 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 and you know, or the revenge, like, okay, are you telling me this to be helpful or hurtful? And they're going to be like helpful. Okay. How is that helpful? Are they, you know, are they unsafe? Is, is somebody unsafe? Like what, you know, tell me, tell me more about this. And then you start, they start reframing things and the tattling starts to go down as the, as the, you know, time goes on. I have the munchkins. They snuck back in here. You guys are funny. Okay. Go to your room. Um, <laughs> taking pictures of me. They're so sweet. So needless to say, I've been really, really enjoying a lot of the things that I've been learning and then teaching others and having conversations. And then the power of knowing that you are not alone or the only parent that is like, oh my gosh, I'm not, you know, that I'm not the only person that struggles with these exact same behaviors. I'm not the only person that like loses their mind at some point because your threshold is so small and you have nothing left because you're at the bottom of the barrel. And how do I manage this? And 
it was like, it's just, it's so powerful when other people are like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause even me, as I'm the one that's teaching them about these things, I'm even going, oh my God, I'm not alone. Oh yay. I'm not the only parent that's struggling with this. And there's not, there's times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and we're going to do this. But then you know, conscious discipline walks through the kids of like, okay, how do you resolve a conflict? How do you talk about this? How do you work through it? How do you do, you know, all of these things? And I think that's the, like one of the beautiful things about it is, is teaching them assertive language. Um, I think the easiest example that I come up with is, um, you know, oh, so-and-so mommy, so-and-so keeps calling me stupid. Okay. You need to walk up to that person and tell them, don't call me stupid. You can call me by my first name, James, you know, or Jimmy or Bobby or, you know, Sally or Sarah or, you know, you name it, whatever. And, um, it's, it's really funny. And people are like, well, I just don't understand. Like, how does that work? And I'm like, because the other person's not expecting you to say stop. (laughs) And then they're not expecting you to be assertive and be like, you can call me by my name you know, they're going to be like, oh, okay. You know, if you give them the emotional response, they're getting something out of that. It feeds into whatever it is that they're looking for. If you just look at them, you're like, you need to stop. You can call me by my first name. And, or like really identify the behavior. Don't call me stupid. You can call me by my first name. So it's, it's powerful and it's whatever. And there's so many different styles of parenting there's so many different things, you guys. And I think that's what's so cool about research and looking at different things. I just know that um, out of all the things that I've seen and utilized and have worked with, that conscious discipline um, makes it very easy. Um, some people will call it hokey or quirky or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but it is a little awkward until you can apply it and kind of make it your own thing. Like I said earlier, like take what you can and and do without, but I feel like it's an umbrella where it encompasses a lot of different things, um, a lot of different stuff. And it utilizes it, like puts it into this system that just kind of like encompasses all the stuff. And it comes from that root thing of connection. As adults, we want to feel connected kids want to feel connected. We want to feel connected and like we belong somewhere and conscious discipline creates this family at home, obviously, but then it creates the school family and it creates, you know, this, this piece of kindness amongst, amongst kids, but also with assertive language and respecting boundaries that it's just really cool, um, to watch and see how, how kids are able to advocate and be assertive for themselves and to show kindness to others. And, um, now even with my kids, I just look at them and they're like, okay, (laughs) I'm not going to tattle on this about this anymore. Um, but we have these awesome conversations and that's like, to me, the coolest part of it all. But that's kind of what I've been up to, like gearing up for, um, everything with, um, the school year starting and kids getting ready. Last week we were running here and there the week before with swimming lessons. And then the, the, the next week was summer school and, 
this week's been a little bit better, um, but a lot of just like, okay, it's summertime, like just a couple weeks left of summer, mom's going to be going back to work. What is this going to look like? Um, it's less than a month until the first day of school for the kids here in Wyoming. Um, well, at least in where we're from in Wyoming, different places in Wyoming start at different times. But anywho, um, yeah, it's just super great. And I've just been very enjoying the conversations and, and the things. And um, I just encourage everybody to take a look at your own parenting and see what it is that you're doing and what tools are helpful and what things aren't. And if they're not being helpful, and it's not having progress then finding something and molding it and shaping it into what what you want and how you want it, want it because it starts with you adult first child second and I just will stand by that every day as I got little peepers over here looking at me what you doing dude so I wish you all well I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening or day depending on when you are listening to this um stay blessed stay mindful and always be mindfully you appreciate you guys chat with you soon So as always, that was the breakup song by Francesca Battistelli. I always love that song. All the lyrics are so true. So if you are feeling scared or fearful of something, step out and figure out what it is that's causing that fear and maybe lean into it. But thank you all for tuning in for this wonderful episode. Uh, More to come. There's several directions I'm going to go in and I can't decide which one I'm going to do. So we will catch up with you soon. Take care.